You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. I don't come here in the name of any church or even any religion. I come to you in the name of the living God who made you in his image and who loves you. And I can't wait to share his word with you this morning. If you have a Bible, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is going to talk to you directly in his own words. So kind of find that or write that down. It'll be on the screen behind me. But I'm so glad uh, to be here. And I want to invite you just to slow uh, your pulse rate down or take a few deep breaths. I really believe that God speaks in whispers. In fact, he's talking all the time. And he wants you to hear his voice. But if you're going about 50,000 RPMs, you'll miss him. So you got to slow down to about 50 so you can hear the whisper of God. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then I'm going to get right into his word. But I invite you to open up your hearts and prepare to hear God speak to you today. So Father, we love you today. Such a privilege to pause and to be in your presence. And right now, I open my heart to you, and I hold nothing back. I, do this, I ask the same for every person here, that they open their hearts to you and hold nothing back. And will you do something in our lives in these next few minutes together? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One thing I forgot, and I can't go any further. I have my beautiful wife here. She's on the front row. This is Laurie, everybody. Say hi to her. She's been with me every step of the way. And together we planted Heartland Church 23 years ago with our three little kids. One was seven. One was four and one was one. They're all grown up now. And here's a picture of my little tribe. Here we are all together. This, my, my youngest daughter got married four weeks ago. So we're officially empty nesters and uh, we're enjoying that. We, we only have us on the cell phone plan now, which is amazing. The data plan has just got smaller. And, uh, but, but I got two little grandsons. My son has two little boys. And here's what I wanna say to all of you. Don't ever kill your kids. Better ones are coming, all right? So they are amazing. All right. You guys ready? Ready to go for it? Ready? Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Come on, sing it with me. Be happy. In every life, we have some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. I got to come down here. Be happy. Come on, let's sing it some more. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry. Be happy. The landlord said the rent is late. You might have to litigate. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry, I'm happy. Come on, everybody. How about that? Bobby McFerrin is not in the house, but when I was a senior graduating high school, that was his song, everybody was singing it. And he had one message. He said, life will come at you hard, you'll have trouble, you'll have difficulty, but no matter what comes my way, I am determined, I am not gonna worry, I'm gonna be happy. And we're still singing that song today. Some of you weren't even alive and you know that song, it's amazing. It's hard not to worry though. I wish it was as easy just to sing the song and not worry, but it is hard to not worry, to not be stressed out, to not have 
anxiety. I remember when I was a young man, about 20 years old, and I so wanted to be a pastor. I mean, I knew God had called me. I wanted to, to, to give my life to, to Christ and to, to serve him and other people. The problem was I just wasn't very good at preaching at all. Like I was scared to death. And so nobody would give me a chance. I was one of those underrated uh, people that no one really saw the potential, you know, that I had inside of me, and I, they never saw it. So one day, finally, a church invited me to come and try out, like you had to actually give a tryout sermon to be the youth pastor. So no pressure, right? So I show up, and I was ready, and I had my introduction, I had my three points, I had illustrations, and I had a magnificent conclusion. And I went and I sat down afterwards, feeling pretty proud of myself, and my wife's eyes were so big, and she looked at me and she said, you were talking so fast, oh my gosh. And I looked at my watch and seven minutes had gone by. <laughs> and it was so bad, I crashed and burned, and the people walked me from the auditorium, like out the door, and on the way they're like, hey, we probably won't be calling. I mean, they actually said it. It was devastating. But that's how this whole thing got started. And I want to ask you the question, what do you do when you think that life is not going the way that you think it should go? So today I want to talk to the worry-wearied people in this room. Let me talk to you about worry. worry. Worry defined is tormenting oneself with just crazy thoughts, suffering from disturbing thoughts, to have anxiety, to be uneasy, to be disturbed. Now, I, I wanted to be as factual as I could. The Kaiser Family Foundation does a lot of research about this. They say 34% have a diagnosed, uh, reported anxiety issue, worry issue today. But I think that's low. I think that's way low. I think it's actually double. It's probably more like 68, 70% of people are stressing out deeply every single day. And you can actually feel the heaviness that everybody's carrying around. In fact, it might be as much as eight out of 10 people are carrying around some sort of stress or worry. So today, I wanna talk to the weary warriors, the future-fearing forecasters, the cash-conscious catastrophizers, the money-motivated manipulators, <laughs> the comparison-caught, selfie-searching, like-lusting likers, the social media managed, because <laughs> you ain't managing nothing, it's managing you. <laughs> the health haunted, the body burdened, the academically anxious achievers, and then the catch-all, the family-focused fretters. Do I have everybody in this room right now? Come on, don't say amen, just say ouch, it's okay. Now, in my church, they talk back to me. So you gotta help me, right? He said you're gonna let me... Uh, be your dad for a few minutes. So come on, talk. You've all been in church where they talk back just a little bit. Can you, can you help me out just a little? Okay, I'm going to this side of the room because I just feel, I don't know what their problem is, but you guys are already. I want to tell you what Jesus has to say. Who cares what Darren Chesky has to say? But what does Jesus have to say when you're worried? And he speaks about it in Matthew chapter six. I want to just read to you some verses today and then get out of your hair. I promise you we'll be out by two o'clock, Okay. Watch what Jesus says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Notice he talks about the things that we worry about 
that can be taken away from us. So if your security, if the source of your joy or your life or your, like your treasure is in the clothes that you wear, that moths can eat, or the, the cars that you drive that rust can take apart, or the cash that you have that a thief could break in and steal. And I'm not just talking about people stealing. I'm talking about like, like when the economy turns down and inflation goes up and your eye is on that stock market that's going up and down. And what do you do when you lose your job and you feel like, see, he's saying that whatever your security is in, Watch what he says next. Where, where your treasure, where your security, where the source of your security is, your heart's gonna be connected to that. You're gonna have, your heart is gonna be connected on the thing that you think is providing you stability, security, protection, where your trust is. So that's why he says, don't lay up for yourselves uh, treasures on earth where, you know, don't, don't lay up, don't put your trust you know, in your cash or in your cars or in your clothing or all of that because, because here's the thing I know. If your heart is attached to things that can be taken away from you, you're gonna be anxious all the time. And your emotions are gonna go up and down with whatever is happening with those things. He says your mind, your, your soul, your, your head is gonna be caught up. So he's not saying that you shouldn't worry. He's just saying you will, you, your heart and your emotions will get caught up in the place where your security is. So that is the question today. Who or what is the source of your security? Like where, where have you placed your, your trust and your security? And I'm gonna ask you three questions today and they're really choices. And the first choice is this, are you a me-sourced person or a God-sourced person? It's a big deal. Is the source of my security me or, or the God that I say that I trust in? Now, it's amazing because a lot of people would say, well, I have faith. I mean, I have a Bible. I, I'm here at church. Some of you might have even gotten baptized. You may say, I believe in God for my eternal salvation. I believe in Jesus that he would forgive my sins. And you kind of have this relationship with God that revolves around your, your Sunday experience. But come Monday through Friday, me is my source. Like my security is in what I can generate in terms of my income, in terms of my belongings, in terms of what I have, in terms, so, so you have people that would say, in my mind, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm actually a person of faith on Sunday, but the rest of my week, I'm actually a person that trusts in, in me, in my, you know, you, you have a lot of people who would say, well, I'm a self-made person. So the decisions I make related to my business, towards my outgo, my income, even my philanthropic giving, it's all, I determine all of that. And so, you, so here's a little funny picture. Don't be like this guy who says he has a faith in God, but he's really still trusting in himself. Like, I'll, God, I'll give you my life, but my source of security is right here. So you catch this picture and don't let that ever lead your mind. I wanna ask you, what is really your source of security? Do you need God or do you just need a little more money? Like what do you really need to stop worrying? And this is gonna be a big issue for you. That's why, that's why Jesus says next, he says, you, you can't serve two masters. Not like you shouldn't or it wouldn't be a good idea. He just says you can't, like it's impossible. Like, like whatever is your source, whatever is God to you will be, will, will be uh, you know, you'll have one or the other. So 
If God is God and your heart is there, great. But if he says, you can't serve God and mammon. So for the people of his audience, they would know that mammon was sort of the, the pagan God of money. So, but we understand that though. If you make God out of your money, like if you make money your God, then your heart, he says, is gonna be all focused there and wrapped up in that. And he's just saying, it's impossible for you to have peace in your heart if, if, your, if your heart is wrapped up in anything that's not connected to God. Because what, what worry really is, it's a control issue. So you might wanna write that in your notes somewhere. Worry's a control issue. And you have to decide who is the Lord. In fact, I wanna go back and give you my second point. Is, he, is it God the Lord or is it me the Lord? Now that doesn't, that's not really good English, but it sure preaches good, okay? Is it, is it is God the Lord or is it me the Lord? And really it's a control issue. Who's in control? That's what the word Lord means. So, so let me give it to you this way. Worry is a control issue. And the word Lord, which really isn't, it's only like a church, world, uh, church word, but, but worry is, is, is all about controlling something. And so the question is, who is the Lord? Well, what is Lord? Lord's the one who's in control. Are you, are, are you in control of your life or is he in control of your life? Because I'll tell you this part, uh, playing God is the root of worry. Because worry is trying to control the uncontrollable. Like you can't control almost anything in life. And what people will try to do is to manipulate, control, use money. Most of, a lot of TV shows about this right now, about how, how, how can I gain the upper hand? How can I control things? so I can feel secure, so I can feel safe, so I have enough. But you can't control everything. You can't control other people. So playing God is the root of worry. And so you just got, this is all Jesus is trying to say, like identify where worry comes from. It's really a, a, a who is the, who it really is the Lord of your life. So, so now he says something else really interesting. He says, therefore, Anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, it means considering what has come before. Now he's about to say something. So therefore, in light of worries a control issue, you can't serve God and money, that, that everything I've said before about, about, about worry, therefore, in light of all this, he says to you, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Now I came all the way to Cincinnati just to tell you this this morning. Do not worry about your life. And you say, well, great. I wish, it, you know, thank you very much for telling me that newsflash. Don't worry about my life. Don't you hate it when preachers tell you what to do, but they don't tell you how to do it? I remember when I was a young person and I would write that in my notes all the time. Why? B-H. Yes, but how? Yes, but how? You're telling me what to do, Darren, but you don't, you haven't told me how. Well, thank God Jesus actually is going to do that. He's going to say exactly how. Therefore, I say, don't worry about your life, what you eat, what you will drink, or about what you put on your body. So in other words, he's talking about the things that we worry about so much have to do with what goes in our body, what goes on our body. And I laugh because I'm thinking, it's like Jesus is talking to, to 2023, to people right now. Like, how did he know this would be our big issue? That everybody would be focusing on their outward appearance, their body image, you know, what do they do now? It's like 24 of these. 
Because I got to get that one, like 50 shots just to get the one, with the one right one. And, and, and it's like, it's, he's saying, you worried so much about what goes in you and what goes on you. And so we're stressing out. I mean, some of you are like, I knew that Diet Coke was out to get me. I knew it. I knew that it was going to get cancer. Some of you are, are worried about, I know there's salmonella everywhere and I know I'm going to get it. And you're just freaking out about, you know, health issues. I called my uh, niece. She's a college student at Purdue University. And I said, hey, I'm speaking on worry to some people in Cincinnati, and you're the expert. Let me ask you a few questions. <laughs> and I said, hey, tell me all the things that stress, out, that stress you out. And we came up with a list together. And, you know, you're so worried about what's going in you. People are trying everything, trying to get control. Non-gluten, non-dairy, low-fat, low-sugar, low-carb, Atkins-Keto, Paleo, Vegan, Mediterranean Diet, South Beach Diet, Optavia, Weight Watchers, Whole30, and from TikTok, Carnivorous and Fruitarian. <laughs> so there's two more. Every... Every kind of thing. And some of you heard me say gluten and you went, whoa, 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 it's a, it's a medical issue. Okay, I'm not talking to you if it's a medical issue. I'm talking about people who are obsessing about every little thing that they eat and they're so worried about what other people are thinking about how you look. Let me give you a newsflash. They ain't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves, just like you. Is not life more than what you take into your body? And he talks about clothing and we so worry about that. I mean, people are like clothes addicts today. Clothes addicts. Y'all, I grew up in the Caribbean, or the Caribbean, where I come from. That's how we would say it. And you don't believe me, I really did. And I, some of you heard the word Caribbean and you think of the resort. Listen, I grew up on the other side of the fence. Any of you who've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And in, in that environment, a lot of homes would have one room in them. And you have a whole room in your house. There's a whole room just for your clothes. Your clothes live in a whole room in the house. And you will stand there in front of that room and look at that packed room. The, the, the hangers can't even shove one in to the next one. And they're just jammed. And you'll stand there with a disgusted look on your face and say to yourself, apparently you've said that. I have nothing to wear. And, that's, and we stress out and we're just closed addicts because we're like, if I don't have something new or great, I won't look right. And that's why Jesus is saying, is not life more than the food we eat or the, or the body more than clothing? And what's really the issue anyway? It's not really about clothes. It's not really about what we eat. It's not about whatever we are on the scale. You know what it's about? It's, it's really about believing that somehow we're just not enough the way that we are. I don't have what I need to be happy. I don't have what I need to, to be whole. There's something wrong. And do you know what the original lie in the whole Bible, really in all of history was? You got two people, the first two people that God made, and he put them into a garden paradise. And you'll read in the first couple verses of the Bible, the devil comes along and he whispers to these two people who have everything that they need. They live in paradise and the devil comes along and I've paraphrased it for you. Here's basically what he says to the two people. He says, y'all are not enough and something is wrong with you. You're not right. 
and you don't have what you need to be happy. I'm wondering if any of you have ever heard that lie filtering through your brain. Because what the enemy will do is he will impersonate your own voice. You'll think it's you and it's not even you. He's talking to you in the sound of your own voice trying to tell you that you are not enough, there's something wrong with you, and you don't have what you need to be happy. And so, so in that, here, here's the lie that's underneath the lie. What he was trying to do was to convince two people that were literally in paradise. They had everything that, that they could ever want or need. They didn't even have to work. They had it served up. They had life, perfection, they didn't worry about body image issues. They had nothing. And yet the devil was able to come and convince them that something was wrong. And ultimately to convince them that God doesn't love you. He's holding out on you. God does not care. And that's what worry is. There's a subtle lie underneath every worry. And it's this, that God doesn't care about you. That God doesn't care about you. And I wonder if you've ever been tempted to believe that lie, that God does not care about you. So what Jesus does next in this passage, he starts to illustrate rather humorously all the little things that he takes care of. Almost like, come on, people. Like, don't you see how I take care of everything? Even the smallest things. I'm on top of the details. I got the details, like I'm in the details. My love is in the details. And if you look for him, you'll see me there. Why are you so stressed out? Why do you get your eyes off the fact that, that I'm, I've been taking care of things long before you ever showed up? So he talks about little things. He talks about the birds of the air. Look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap. They don't store up in barns. Your, those little birds, they don't have refrigerators. They don't have closets. They don't have trucks. They don't have anything to haul anything with. And God takes care of them. Like the bird did not have to go down to Walmart in the truck, schlep out a whole big bag of bird seed, throw it into the back, drive it home, pour it out into all the little bird feeders in the backyard for, for the bird and his little family. The birds didn't do that. The senior pastor of Heartland Church did that. I did that. <laughs> and God moved in my heart to love the little birds that I would go through all of that so that I could take care of their needs. And those birds have never once thanked me. They have never once appreciated the fact that the senior pastor of Harlan Church is looking after their needs. But I'm telling you, that's how God works. God initiates things and brings all that you need into your life and you don't even have a clue. You never thanked him one time. It still doesn't mean that he's not providing for you every single moment of your life. So he says, look at the birds. Are you not of more value than the birds? Which of you, by worrying, he says next, can add a cubit to their height? Which is a joke. It's a, it's a Hebrew exaggeration. A cubit is 18 inches. And what he's really saying here is, how many of you think that by worrying about something, you can actually change it? Did worrying ever change anything? Like, did worrying ever, ever control a situation? Like, do you think that if you're a person that goes, there's something wrong with me, I'm not enough, something's wrong, I was not born correctly, I'm, I'm, I'm too short. So, so I'm worried that I'm too short and, and, I, and I'm not enough. And, and I mean, who, who by worrying could ever change that? But you're worried about it. I mean, I suppose you could go have like a surgery to like 
change who you are and make you taller. But is that really, imagine how painful that would be. And is that even really the problem? Is that even really the issue? But what, what if it's just the lie that you've believed long enough? Like what happens if, if you're really just fine the way that you are, but you've believed the lie long enough? You're not enough. You don't have what it takes to be, what, to be happy. You, there's something wrong. God made a mistake. Whatever it is that you've believed long enough that it actually you think it's the truth. And that's what'll happen. If you believe a lie long enough, you'll start thinking it's the truth. When listen, you need to learn how to accept yourself exactly the way that you are. God made no mistake with you. There, there's, there's no one who's ever existed, ever, like you. You are a unique combination of, of DNA and personality and history. And there's no one with your features. There's no one with your eyes, your fingerprints. There is nobody that was put on the earth like you ever. God made you uh, on purpose, for a purpose, and he's got this beautiful plan for your life, and he's working all things together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, and he's never made a mistake once. God loves you just the way you are. Come on, believe that, somebody. Help me out if you believe that. God loves you just the way you are. You don't have to change. You don't have to change nothing to get God's love. He loves you. And I pray that you will just accept that deeply in your soul today. There's nothing wrong with you. But why do you worry? He says about your clothing, about who you are, about little things like this. He talks about these lilies in the field. Then he references Solomon, who was the wealthiest person in history at the time of this, uh, of this writing. Solomon, with all of his resources and all of his power, and all the control that he had, he couldn't make anything or create anything as beautiful as that little flower in the field. So why are you trying to even compete with that? Like, you don't have to. Like, like you are more beautiful than anything any rich person could ever create. So why are you worried about that? So he summarizes this little section by saying, if God so cares for the birds, and he so looks after the little things, the grass in the field, which is here today, gone tomorrow, how much more won't he take care of you? How much more does God not have you in mind? How much more has he not been watching over you since, since the day, actually the Bible says before you were born, he knew you in, in your mother's womb, knitting you together, perfectly complex. How well I know it, the scripture says. The problem is some of you don't know that. God's been watching over you your whole life. And like a good father, he's been just looking at you and calling you and, and covering you and protecting you and leading you. Didn't, weren't aware of it. That's why he says this. Therefore, in light of all this, do not worry. Do not worry about what you eat, what goes in you, what goes on you, about the things that you think that you need. For such things, watch this, unbelievers seek. Do you remember that little part before when he said, oh, you of little faith? And now he brings it up again. These are the things that unbelievers are going after. And that's actually the issue. Unbelief, unbelief. There's a lot of people who, like they know about God, but they don't really believe God. In fact, there's people who know about him, but they don't know him. And if you don't actually know God, you will worry your whole life. If you don't actually know him, because if you know him, like he's your father, you'll know if he's with me 
and he loves me, I have access to everything that he has. I was made a little joke a few minutes ago about my daughter just went off our family data plan. She didn't even think about that actually. You know, it's just been a part of her life, all of her life that dad just has provided. She was shocked when she found out how much <laughs> that thing cost. Here you go, this is yours now. <laughs> actually, it's her husband's now, so that joker's gotta deal with that. But you know, but she never even thought about it. And I'm telling you, God is thinking about the details of your life. But unbelievers, people who don't know God, if it's just you, then of course, me is Lord. Me is my source. Me is all that you've got. If it's going to be, it's up to me. So of course you worry. So how many of you would say, well, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm a person of faith. But practically speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm acting like an unbeliever. And that's actually the problem. Some people actually stopped believing over issues that they couldn't control. That's, let's talk about that for a minute. Can I go deeper just for a minute? Because that's really the issue. When God didn't do what you thought he should do, when you had said, this is what I would do if I'm God, and then he didn't do it, or a prayer that you prayed, or something took place that made no sense in your mind, and you said, if there's a God in heaven, then why would this evil be allowed to happen? And you stopped believing, and a little piece of you gave up on God because he didn't do what you thought that he should do. And the answer you chose, for some reason, was unbelief. Now think about that for a minute. That's a terrible choice. Because if unbelief is your choice, then really all you have is, is you. Well, if there's a God, why were you can't ask that question. Because if there's no God, then it's just all random. It's just a big random spin of the wheel and evil has the last word. Because I'm telling you, we do live in a world that's not as God has intended. And there's evil and there's corruption and there's sin and there's pain and tragedy and loss and all of these things that are not in our control. And it's not. It's newsflash. You're not in control. And you never were. And you choose unbelief. Then all you've got is you and evil has the last word. A lot of people have made that choice. But I want you to see Jesus in a moment just like this, where he's, he knows what's about to happen. Do you remember the story of Jesus in a garden praying, crying out to God? And he says something like, God, if there's any way that I don't have to go through this, will you get me out of this situation? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Like if there's, this is not going the way I want it to go. So if there's any way you could shift this and change this and make it different, but watch how he prays. He says, but Father, not my will, but yours be done. And in that little prayer, he's literally saying, but God, I trust you. It's not the way I want, but you're all I've got. So whether I want this or not, I choose you and I trust you and however you want this to go down, I'm in the whole way. And he gets up off his knees and he says, come on boys, here they come. And he, he, he puts himself into the hands of his persecutors and what he suffers next is unimaginable evil and pain and loss and beating. And, and what we symbolize today in that little cup and that little bread, a piece of bread that was broken, that's what they did to his body. And he didn't deserve it. He had done nothing wrong and they beat him like a criminal. 
to the, almost to the point of death. And then they stretched his arms out of his sockets and nailed him to a cross. And he hung there until he died. And they thought, and, the, and really Satan thought, the devil thought, we got the last word and it's done. But it wasn't done. Because evil didn't have the last word. Three days later, Jesus rose up out of that grave and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, even though they die, they shall live. And that's the greatest news that no matter what you face, that there's always a resurrection that's coming, that, that evil doesn't have the last word, that evil's not the end, that, that even if you die, you're in this body a minute later, or a second later, you're in the presence of Jesus. So, so when a Christian dies, they don't really die. Like their body dies, but that's not the end of you because you're gonna live forever. One second in the room, the next second in the arms of Jesus in un unimaginable joy because you're with him. You just never die. And for some of you who have lost somebody that you love, that's the only thing that ever made sense in your suffering, that you could grab onto that and say, God, I don't like this at all, but at least it's not goodbye forever because evil doesn't have the last word. Unbelievers don't have God, and so they seek after whatever they can to control. But I'm saying to you, you don't have to be that way. Let your faith rise up in you today because your Father knows what you need. Look at that. If you could circle, He knows. He knows about your job, and He knows about your, your relationships. And he knows about school, and he knows about what's ahead. He knows about the, the, the mountains that you see in front of you. He knows about all of that, and he's taking you by the hand. And he promises, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So watch what he says next. This is the verse. This is the key verse of the text. You want to circle this, underline it in your Bible, write it out, stick it on your mirror every day. Here it is. You ready for this? Read it with me. But seek first, come on, read it with me. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things added unto you. Seek, seek first. It's another way, like just go all in with God and put him first in your life. I, I dare you, some of you, to actually go all in with God for just one year of your life. Like all in. Like I'm coming to church. I'm getting in a small group. I'm going through the growth track. I'm getting involved. I'm going to serve something bigger than me. Listen, that's the question I have for you. What are you serving that's bigger than you? Is life all about you? Is everything that comes into your hands just for you? Is everything that, that your life is about just you? That's why you're worried. But if you'll seek first God's kingdom, you make his agenda, like you're the Lord, right? So like your agenda is what's first in my life. I'm the servant, you're the Lord. Whatever you want, I'm all in. And if you'll just have that attitudinal shift, like you're the Lord, I'm all in. If, if they say do it, I'm, in, I'm here, I'm showing up, I'm all in. I promise you, you won't recognize yourself a year from now. You will look back on your life and you will say, that worried, anxious, stressed out, fearful person, I don't even recognize that person anymore. Because the gift of God, what he's saying here, there's actually a peace that he can give you that transcends feeling and thinking. And it's a gift of God to the person who goes all in. That's why he says, when you worry, don't worry, but pray about everything. Paul wrote it this way. In everything that you worry about, pray about it. Tell God what you need. And thank him. Why? Well, you can actually thank him in advance. He's so reliable, so trustworthy that when you tell him a need, 
He's going to come through. You can thank him in advance. Do I have any people who know what I'm talking about in this house today that you can actually thank God in advance that he will supply all of your needs? And this is the third choice that's coming. But let me just finish up this. Therefore, he says, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Like tomorrow hasn't happened yet. Can't control that. And yesterday's gone. Can't control that. So every day you have this choice about who you're going to be. And here's the choice. Are you going to be, am I going to be a worried me, stressed out, trying to grasp, control everything? Or am I going to be a worshiping me? God, you're in control. God, I can't see my way through, but you can. God, I praise you. I thank you in advance. You know what my needs are. You know what's going on at the job. You know what's happening in my situation. But God, I give you praise because you're going to work it out for good. I trust you. I praise you today because you're going to turn this around for good. If you do that, God will give you this gift of peace every single day. There, there is a new mercy for every single day that God will give you. Now, here's the thing. You're saying, but how do I know that? Well, that is the problem for some of you who are 14 and 19 and 24 and 27. Frankly, you, you haven't just lived long enough to have, the, to have the, the life track record to see that God will never fail you. He will show up every single time. That's why you got to lean on the faith of some old guys like me. Like I turned 53 on Friday. And I can tell you in my 53 years of life on this earth, I have never seen God fail me. He has shown up. When I thought I was going down, I'm still here. I'm still here. I have, he has provided. I've never seen my children begging for bread. I have watched God be faithful. Your pastor has seen God do that. Your, your pastor's wife has seen God do that. They have seen God show up again and again and again. And so that's why we can stand here with confidence and look you in the eye and say, go all in with Jesus. He'll give you peace you can't explain and you'll find out that he will never fail you. So you can be a worrier or you can be a worshiper. So I close this today. I'm gonna to just come back and reread this to you in a beautiful translation of the Bible that was put together by a pastor who loved his congregation. And he, he was a master of biblical Hebrew and Greek. And he says, if I can just write this in a way that, the, that the, the young people in my church can understand. And he started writing and translating passages of scripture, portions of it. He translated the letters of, of Paul and then he translated the gospels and then eventually the whole Bible and he left it as a gift to his church. It got published and we have it today in a form called the message translation of the Bible. And I'm gonna conclude today by just reading to you the words of Jesus and I'm asking you to sit here with an open heart and let Jesus speak to your soul like he's talking to you in a way you can understand right now. This is the word of the Lord. What I'm trying to get you to do is relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to what God is giving. Now, people who don't know God and the way that he works, they fuss, they fuss, they fuss all the time over these things that they can't control. But you know God and you know the way that he works. So steep your life 
in God reality. Oh, he is real. He is close. He's a prayer away. He is real. He rose from the dead. He's alive by his spirit. He is real. God initiative. That means that God has started working on your situation even before you asked, even before you knew to call on him. God was lining up the details. So by the time you got there, he's already worked it out. God provisions. I found that by the time I became aware of a need in my life and I started to pray, God already had it waiting. God has provided every single time. So he's real, he's initiated, he provides. So don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. So give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Like don't worry about tomorrow, yesterday's done. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get all worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow because God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. You guys receive this today? This is the word of the Lord. So here's a little sermon I wrote. You might wanna quote it note for note. Don't worry, be happy. Come on, receive that in Jesus' name today, everybody. Amen. So, so what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today, right now? I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads with me. If you're watching online, just bow your head right where you are. And I wanna say a prayer over you. And I wanna give you an opportunity to really make Jesus the Lord of your life. So he is the Lord, but have you ever allowed him to be actual Lord? There's a difference between knowing about God and actually knowing him personally. There's a difference between kind of coming along with God and then surrendering your life to Him. So I'm gonna lead a prayer that I really can't pray. If it's for you, you have to pray the prayer in your own words. But I'll give you some words to help you get started. But right where you're sitting, you can pray a heartfelt prayer to God. And if you come close to God through this prayer, He will come close to you. He will meet you. He will forgive you. He will help you. But it'll cost you something. You can't pray this prayer and hold on to your life or, or just keep a part back. You've got to go all in and surrender to him. So it's a costly prayer. It's a great exchange. If you exchange your life for his life, he's going to help you with your worries and your anxieties and your fears. So let's pray this prayer together. Just start by declaring, God, I know that I need you. I need you. I can't do this without you. Tell him something like that. I need you in my life. I'm desperately in need of you. That's the first part of the prayer. The second part of the prayer, God, I'm sorry for trying to live without you, for having you as a Sunday God and not the God of my whole life. Like you're the God of my Bible, but you're not the God of my money. And God, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for trying to control people and things and I've made a mess of things, forgive me. Ask him to forgive you somehow. Now tell him what you believe. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God and you rose from the dead. I don't know how I know that, but you are the Lord and I am not. So I'm done pretending. You are God. Tell him that. 
you're the Lord. Now say this last part, God, I give you my life. I surrender or I give you control or I let go of the wheel or whatever you wanna say, but God, you take your place as the Lord and I surrender. Say it like this, I give you my whole life. Father, for every person praying this prayer, I know that you are the healer, you are the restorer, you're the redeemer of our mistakes and our pain. And God, I know you can work everything for good. And I pray now that for every person praying this prayer, that as they follow you and as they go all in, they take the next steps, get involved with this community and start walking with you. I pray they look back on today and they won't even recognize themselves a year from now. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together for every person who prayed that prayer. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.